0: Now, once again, here's Mark.
3: Welcome
4: back to everybody four minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and we're here for the next hour. I'm going to go to Hector because he waited all through the break. And, Hector, you're up. It's time for you to yep. swing the bat. What's up?
5: Yes, how you doing? Good. Um, I have a, an 01 Nissan Sentra where if it sits overnight or sits while I'm at work, as if I start it right away and put it straight in the drive, it'll stutter and or and – After a while, it'll go back to normal. But if I leave it in the um, idling for about 20, 30 seconds, it drives just fine. Now, I did clean the mass flow airflow sensor. Um, Other than that, that's all I've done to try to fix this problem.
4: When you cleaned the mass airflow sensor, it didn't get worse or better. Is that what I'm hearing? Correct. Okay. Okay, good. That's good because I was looking for it got worse, and I was going to slap your hand and say, ugh. You've got to be real careful when you clean those mass airflow sensors because the, the, yeah. the learning curve is expensive. In your particular case, I think you should clean the throttle blades. I think you should clean the throttle blades because here's what's happening. When you start the car up, the computer's controlling the idle, and it's opening and closing what we call the idle air control motor. So if we want the RPMs to go up, we open the motor a click or two, and if we want the idle to go down, we close the motor a click or two, and it's just shutting off an air passage. In your particular case, you're letting it sit there and idle. That idle air control motor's a little bit behind. So if you let it idle for the count of one, two, three, four, five, then you're letting that idle control, air control motor finally do its job. When you throw it into gear right away, the, the idle air control motor is probably carboned up. Probably that passageway is dirty. Probably the throttle blades are dirty. And I think you have about an 80, 75 to 80% chance if you'll clean the throttle blades and then don't make any adjustments to the idle air control motor. Just clean up the nozzle or the, the the cone on the end of the idle air control motor. And be very careful when you pull it out. Put it back in and don't change anything. And just make sure that passage, because okay. all we're doing is introducing air into the engine to raise or lower the idle. Okay? Oh all right thank you so much. You're welcome Heather. And and let me just get some business done real quick here and then we're going to go to the phones again. Sun City has one of the largest and most trusted source for complete auto repair services and the name of it is Auto Dynamics. It's been family owned and operated since 1982 and I've known Chuck um since probably 68 and 70. So I know him and his son, Derek, understand high quality and service. They stand behind their work. They have great staff, great technicians. And Chuck's kind of old-fashioned. He doesn't pay a commission or a percentage of your repair bill to his staff, so therefore they never sell unnecessary parts and repairs because there's no benefit to them. So if you're looking for a great shop in the Sun City area, I'd like to recommend Automotive Dynamics on the north side of Grand, just west of, of 99th Avenue back to the phones Marty you're up how are you I'm
6: good Mark thank you um Bruce Kane told me that you could help me
4: oh that just cost you a hundred bucks but go ahead well
6: but he said that you know everything about cars and he's got three strikes today so maybe I should ask for a name
4: <laughs> <laughs> oh god oh <laughs> <No>. boy <laughs> you, just you, you, humor you, I know, I know. No, Bruce Kane is a really good friend of mine, and uh, yep. and he's an old cowboy, and he's yep. from Lu- Louisiana, and he can cook better than any man or woman I know. So, and, and
6: I've been able to to uh, to uh, have a, a couple of good meals with Bruce. So here's here's what I have: two thousand eight Chevy HHR, okay, two two point four uh, liter motor in it. Um, I have. The uh, air pressure sensor gauge on my dash, okay, and it, when a tire would go down, it wasn't it wasn't matching the tire. It would say the left front is low when it was really the left rear. But anyways, it's now uh, come back where it doesn't work at all, and I got the little uh, dash light on. It's showing that the tires are low. Okay. So, what what would next
4: step here well this is really kind of easy we have technology that we didn't even have when you first got your tps um, tpms tire pressure monitoring system but Mm -hmm. we can now walk around the car and we can talk to this tire pressure monitoring system and we can see if the battery's up or down and then uh, in a simplistic way because there's there's 30 different ways this happened but i'm going to give you a simplistic way we got a red white blue and black tire Okay, so the computer has to know that when you rotate them, you have to tell the computer where the tire went. So if the black was on the left front and we rotated the tires and we put it on the left rear, then it still thinks the, the, the black is on the right front. So in that case, if the, if the black says, hey, I'm a little low on air, it's going to say, hey, you're right front. But really, it's the tire's been moved on the rotation. So okay. that's what needs to happen first is, now, if I know this is something that us guys do on a regular basis, but I am pretty sure there is a procedure in your owner's manual to tell the computer where everything's at. Right. And so sometimes what they'll do is, is and this is kind of an arduous thing, it's much quicker if you have a hand device that costs $4,000, but you can go in there and says, let the air out of the right front tire, Okay, I see it. Let the air out of the driver's side tire. Okay, I see it. You can do that. Um, sometimes you honk the horn, you wave a dead chicken around your head, you open and slam <laughs> the door. I mean, some of the procedures are just silly. But yeah. there's a lot of guys. Who? What part of town are you in?
6: Actually, I was going to bring it to your
4: shop. Okay, I live well, in you, all right. Go to, to Alan. Can Alan has the magic wand? My son has a magic wand for this kind yeah. of t- a tire pressure monitoring system. Now, what year is that HHR? A 2008. Okay. Probably a battery because it's 10 years old. So one of the TPMS may have a bad battery. We either replace the sensor or replace the battery. Alan, can explain all that to you? But the answer okay, is, cool. is on a 1 to 10 scale, this is a 2 or 2 or 3. It's not that big okay. of a deal. But so, because I, I, you I, mentioned Bruce Kane, the bill is going to be at least $250. <laughs> I just thought I'd say that.
6: <laughs> yeah, I got, I, I, got, I got to got the to. Be hey, I have one more question if I could, please.
4: Okay, go ahead. There,
6: there's... And it, this is just a random occurrence. When I go to start the car, nothing happens. All the dash all the dash lights come on. Nothing happens. I try it a couple times, nothing. If I get out of the car and move the car forward and back and get back in, it starts right up.
4: Okay. I want you to go to MarkSalem.com and print out FAQ28. FAQ28? Okay. I want to know what the headlights are doing when this all happens. Real quick, this is the deal. You need to park it where you can watch the headlights on the wall in front of you. So just get, okay. or in the garage. So you turn on the headlights and they're white and bright. Good. That's step one. You hit the key and they don't change at all. You hit the key three, four, five times. Nothing changes. The solenoid's bad. Okay. You hit the key. The lights go completely out and come back on slowly. You have a bad connection at the battery. The lights go completely out. But as soon as you let go of the key, they come, boom, right back on the starter's bad, So you can diagnose the car by looking at the headlights, and it'll tell you starter, solenoid, bad connection at the battery, or bad battery. In your case, because here's the word I heard you say, no noise, nothing happens. So do you know where the starter's at on that HHR? I have no idea. Okay, follow the positive battery cable to the starter. You take a hammer... And this is not something you're going to do in your Sunday best. But you hit the key. Nothing happens. You get out. You already know where the starter's at. You just get down on one knee. You slap that starter on the side. Not the solenoid that sits on top of it, but the starter. Right. It's, okay. Slap that thing kind of hard. Get back in. I bet it starts right up. But okay. cool. How many miles are on the HHR?
6: 171,000.
4: Have you ever had a starter or solenoid? No. Okay. I, I would suggest that you do both. Even though the solenoid's bad and the, and, and the starter always works when the solenoid tells it to, I think for the, the labor and the cost and the miles you have on there, I think you are best served to get a good quality starter solenoid package and put both of them in if I'm right and it turns out to be the solenoid. So just let's put both of them in. Let's not mess around, okay?
6: Okay, sounds
4: good. Right, it's been Regine, you been redeemed, Mark. Thanks. All righty, thank you. <laughs> Jack, you're up next. If you drop the name of one of my friends again, it's going to cost you money. I just want to tell you that. Jack.
7: Hey there, Mark. How you yes, doing? Sir. Good. Good. Hey, I've got a couple of inspection questions for you. So okay. The first one is I've got a 2014 Dodge Grand Caravan. Okay. And I got a Mopar extended warranty when I purchased it.
8: Okay.
7: And I've, and I've got uh, probably, it's 55000 now. The warranty goes to 60000 in five years. So I'm wondering, is it a good idea for a shop like yours or one of your associated shops to do a... Um, full inspection of the vehicle to do diagnosis and make sure that there's nothing hiding out there that could be still covered by that extended warranty.
4: Yes, but not in the fashion that you think. I think that job is is twofold. You have 50% of the responsibility to watch the gauges, watch the lights, watch the check engine light, watch the TPMS light, watch the generator and the alter, or the alternator, I should say. Your your job's there, but your oil change guy should be the other part of that. So I, I think if you go, it, what you're asking me is, is, should I do a used car checkover? That's what you're looking at. Well, well, most shops, that's going to be 100 bucks. I suggest that you just make sure that you, they know you have an aftermarket warranty, and I suggest that you make sure that they understand that if they see anything at all that needs to be serviced, any problem, any leak, uh, any bad bushing, but you're going to know a bad bushing because it's going to clunk when you stop and it's going to clunk when you take off. On aftermarket warranties, I'm dead against those. I mean, I, I hate those because not too long ago, I, this is another stupid example. A lady had a water pump go bad and uh, they avoided, they wouldn't pay for the water pump because she hadn't had a transmission service done at the right time. So the obvious question is, is, what the hell does one have to do with the other? And they said, well, the cooling system has the radiator lines in it. And so we, we're cooling off the transmission lines, and the transmission, because it hasn't been serviced, could have caused an extreme heat problem in the cooling system, which wiped out the water pump. And I said, the water pump's leaking. It's leaking. It's got 80,000 miles on it. It has nothing to do with the tra- Well. She didn't do her transmission service at 60 when she should have, so we're not going to pay for the water pump. That's, that's what my life is. Those people rip you off every time. They don't pay sales tax. They don't pay Freon. Boy, my pants wadded up. Can you tell that? They, and they cheat you, and they want me to buy an inferior part, or they send me some part in a box that the manufacturer isn't even proud of, and they want me to warranty the labor and the part, even though I never made a dime on the part this is the mentality that these idiots have so from future for all the rest of you when you want to buy an aftermarket warranty you knock yourself out it's your money it's your thing but i want to tell you something the fight just starts when you have your very first complaint so have i answered all your questions jack
5: yeah.
7: <laughs> <laughs> well, why i was why i was asking about doing it as an independent is because see my i'm keeping all of my service with dog dealer and okay. you know You know, basically good guys treated me fair. Uh, There was a situation where the electric uh, uh, fan on the radiator was shot, and they replaced it, no problem, didn't bad an eye. But here's where I'm at. I always like to have an independent view versus taking a Dodge vehicle to a Dodge company with a Mopar warranty, extended warranty process, and just to have that other set of eyes to, you know, go through it.
4: Okay. I have a comment about that i think you're wrong i think that the dealerships are hungry for work because the newer model cars don't even have a, a maintenance schedule one one fifth of what we had before otherwise there's cars out there that don't even have their first major service till seventy-five, eighty thousand miles so that's a real problem because now the cars are being made so well that we're starving because the maintenance intervals on half this stuff isn't so i think at the dealership in, in that environment, especially if they have your warranty, those technicians are tuned into your car, and the smallest oil leak is going to be identified quickly, and it's going to be repaired quickly because somebody gets paid for that. And you're dealing with the people that the eyes and the ears of the aftermarket warranty. I think you're going to compound the issue when you walk into the dealership and say the independent shop, Salem Boys Auto, said that I need this. The very first thing that happens in Mark Salem's opinion, and there's lots of good de Dodge and Chrysler Plymouth and Fiat dealerships out there. But the hackles in their, their back are going to get up, and they're going to go, oh, yeah, those independent guys don't know nothing. So I think that's a backward step for you. I think okay. I would just impress upon them, put a note on the rear view mirror, dear technicians, mm-hmm. please give this car a good thorough look over because my ex- my Mopar extended warranty is likely to go out in the next 12 months or 18 months or whatever the, the action is. That's going to really prod him to look. And I think you'll see an increase in those kinds of repairs, and I don't know if that's a bad idea. Okay? Okay,
7: sounds good. All so right. now my sec- my second... in. Inspection question is: My son's going to get his first vehicle, probably going to be a pickup because he's studying to be an electrician. Okay. And so, wondering about uh, who does a um, good used vehicle full inspection in my area, and I'm roughly at Sixty Seventh Avenue and Bell Road.
4: To, um, go. How about Eighty um, Eighth Avenue and uh, Thunderbird? Uh, Thunderbird, yep, Auto. Yep. Uh, Thunderbird Auto. Yeah. Thunderbird Auto. Yeah, just tell, when you walk in there, just announce as loud as you can that um, you're here against your better judgment because you heard Mark Salem say something about you know Thunderbird Auto and Tom, and, and he doesn't know he couldn't fix a car if you spotted him, the the uh, windshield wipers and stuff like that. And they'll all laugh because, and, and I don't get any bird dog fee. I, I, all I'm doing is is I'm teasing Tom through you, and, and I'm also subtly letting him know that I referred you to him, not that he's going to pay me anything. It's just um, it's a nice thing for you to have in your corner. So what you're looking for is a used car checkover on anything you're going to buy for your son. And ask him in advance how much that is. I think you're going to find it's going to be between $75 and $125 now. Most of the time, we're going to give you something to negotiate with. Not too long ago, a lady came in and we had a car. She was going to buy it from a used car dealer and we wrote it up for $900. And she went back and they did all the work. So she saved, it cost her $125 and she saved $900. And she was ecstatic and so was I. But a lot of people say, well, they had a $1,000 pack and they gave you away funny money. I don't care. They fixed all the things we found wrong with the car for free, and she still bought it. I'm okay with that. So that's my answer. All righty.
7: Sounds good. Can I ask you one last quick question? Yep. And that is this is the tire question. So for that um, Grand Caravan, I'm using it now to run back and forth to L.A. I'm doing work on apartments and so forth. So I'm hauling furniture and various other stuff. I've got the little donut spare, which I don't want to waste (laughs) my life on. Okay. So I'd like to get a full-size spare, and i talked to a few folks. They said, well, just go to the junkyard and get a wheel and put a tire on it and, you're, and go. But I'm just wondering, well, you, you know, do you know a good junkyard, or is it better to go to somebody like S&S and say, hey, give me a good you know, basic wheel for the vehicle and throw in a tire?
4: When was the last time you had a flat?
7: Well, I had one uh, last year, but okay. I was here in Arizona versus right. running across the desert.
4: All right, so how many tires, how many flat tires have you had in the last five years?
7: Maybe about three, and it's and always roofing nails type ah,
4: of Ah, that was my next question, because you're in construction. How many of them are directly related to the environment you're driving this vehicle in? Oh, oh yeah. That, yeah, that's it. Okay, uh, I think, I think, I don't think that's a good idea it's okay to get a a a factory wheel and i would go to american auto wrecking um over in the east valley american auto something or other uh, 961 i don't remember it's 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 on baseline road just east of country club on the south side of the road and it might have a gilbert address american some uh, i would they can you can tell them what kind of car you have and, and they'll have a tire and a wheel uh, all that, but it's going to take up a lot more room. And I want to tell you something: as long as the inflation on those donuts is fine, I've driven those donuts hundreds of miles at, and the maximum speeds written right on the side of it. So it says 55 or 60 miles an hour. If you stay underneath those numbers, those donuts just work fine, and they'll get you to where you're going to go. But in reality, it's going to take up a lot of trunk room. It's not going to fit in the well or the place you're at, and you're going to lose some some space. So right. I'm not, I am not. still keep the donuts in all my rental cars, and I keep the donuts in my wife's car and my daughter's car because it's just too much aggravation. And in reality, if it weren't for you being on a construction site, you probably had one tire, one flat unrelated to your job in the last five years, and the risk and the reward is off balance, in my opinion. All righty. Thank you so much for your help. You bet. And Neil and Larry, stay right there because we're going to be back in about three minutes.
1: Now you have a friend at Thunderbird Automotive, and his name is Tom Fletcher. In 2003, Thunderbird Automotive was a finalist in the Better Business Bureau Ethics Award. In 2004, they won that award. Check them out at the BBB online directory. They're proud of their A-plus rating. Darren
4: College, a former NFL Super Bowl champion, signed the most important contract of his life to serve in the Army National Guard.
7: I've had a lot of military in my family. It's a big part of what uh, my family's done for a long time. I want to go out there and make a difference. I didn't find that working behind a desk, so for me it was a pretty easy decision to make. And then the opportunity to serve my community and serve my country was just icing on the cake.
4: To learn how to be part of the Army National Guard, log on to NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Arizona Army
2: National Guard. Aired by the Arizona
4: Broadcasters Association and this station.
2: Safe Money Radio hosts are experts in no-market-risk retirement planning and provide their clients protection of principal, guaranteed growth, and guaranteed lifetime income that you can never outlive. Listen to Safe Money Radio every week on 960 The Patriot, Saturday at 2 p.m. and Sunday at 1 p.m. Request a free financial evaluation and consultation by your local no-market-risk radio celebrity welcome back everybody 25 minutes at 25
4: minutes after the hour 11 o'clock let me tell you real quick about a mesa shop that's a really good shop thompson's auto repair and towing has been around since 1970 i think they're on their second or third generations of thompson's brian and thelma run thompson's auto repair you won't find a nicer couple they are truly truly good people they're on stapley just east of maine Actually, the other way around. They're on Main Street, just east of Stapley. They've been around a long time. They have ASC certified technicians. That's a big deal to me. And they have friendly reminders that let you know when your car might be due for service. So they're not telling you it is because they don't really know how many miles you have on your car with those postcards. But they're saying just pay attention to that kind of issue. So it's the only shop in Mesa that I can put my name behind and say I can recommend them. Others have applied. And they didn't make it, but there's a lot of good guys there that haven't applied, and that's okay with me, too. So Thompson's is the only Mesa shop centrally located. He's just east of Stapley on the south side of Main Street. All righty. Neil, good morning, and thank you for holding. How can I help you?
3: Yeah, Mark, uh, I just purchased a 2018 Dodge Ram 2500 with the Common 6.7 engine. Yes, sir. The manual states... Under no circumstance that oil change intervals exceed 15,000 miles or six months, whichever comes first. Now, I have a problem with this six months thing because I frequently only drive maybe 15 to 2,000 miles in six months, especially during the uh, winter. Am I gonna jeopardize my warranty uh, if I don't change oil every six months and only have like two thousand miles on the oil?
4: You know, I've never, I've never heard. I believe you, but I've never heard of that before. But I agree with you. That's as about as ridiculous as ridiculous can be. Now, you wouldn't necessarily be the normal diesel. Dodge owner because those guys are hauling big construction trailers and those guys are hauling their toy boxes up to the mountains every weekend so you are kind of different in that respect and I think what the issue really is is that they say 10,000 miles on the top end they want you at 10 no matter what is that what you said?
3: No, it says under no circumstance should oil change intervals exceed 15000 okay, or six months. And my last Dodge I had, it was one year. Now, okay. I can't understand why they would you know, shorten it to six months. And, of course, that thing holds like 12 quarts of oil. Yes,
4: yes. It's a $140 oil change. Um, yeah, I think... every
3: six months. It, it, I just don't understand the logic.
4: Okay, I think what I would do is go back to the dealer that you bought it and ask to speak to the service manager and have this conversation with him and then I think you should write down date, time, who I talked to, what he said, what the questions were. I'd walk in there with questions but I think you have a good question and he's the one that's going to be able to be able to say to you, you know what, Neil, you and I will work this out. So instead of going 15,000 miles or six months, let's split the difference and just bring you in uh, once a year or something like that. But when you're, your invoice is going to have your mileage and it's going to have the time. And if you're doing only 2,000 or 3,000 miles a year, um, you're, you're going to build up a little bit of water where you wouldn't normally because you're not using it and you're not heating it up as you should. But I think you best have that conversation with him. If it were me... Um, I would make friends you know i would I would have an independent shop working on my car, and together we would work out the uh, the, the scenario that that we would be best served but i, I can 't tell you the, what that is ridiculous for it to be fifteen thousand on the left hand and then uh, six months on the right hand. I just don't understand that. And you know something else you could do? You could call one 800 Chrysler, 1-800-DODGE, and you could ask them to address this and tell you what you should do. And when you do that, just get the date and the time and the name of the person you talk to, and and hopefully that will help you. But, Neil, you stumped me. I don't have an answer for you. I think that that's uh, stupid, and I think that's a really bad idea, and I can't tell you what to do with respect to your warranty, but I frankly don't think it will make any difference.
1: Do you have what it takes to be 960 the Patriots' top shot? There's only one way to find out. As 960 the Patriot and Scottsdale Gun Club present the second annual Top Shot Shooting Competition. 64 contestants will go head-to-head in a bracket-style tournament June 23rd and 24th until one person is crowned the new Top Shot champion. Whether you're new to shooting or a seasoned pro, Top Shot's accuracy targets, speed challenges, and even points for knocking down bowling pins will be fun and challenging. For all, make it to the finals and be crowned 960 The Patriots Top Shot and win $1,000. All participants will receive a Top Shot event bag with over $125 worth of goodies, like a Top Shot shirt and a free round at Scottsdale Gun Club prior to the event to practice. Sign up today at 960ThePatriot.com for Top Shot. June 23rd and 24th. Details and sign-ups at 960thepatriot.com. Sponsored by 21 Degrees Cigar Lounge in Scottsdale. All
4: about that Welcome back, everybody. You know, earlier in the show, we had somebody who said, I said to them, uh, do you have a place that you go to or what part of town do you live in? And he said, oh, I'm up at Kurtz. Let me tell you why Kurtz is kind of special. First of all, he's been around a really long time. He's been around since 1987. As most of my shops are not spring chickens, we all been around a little while. And the ones you need to be worried about are the guys that are going to be in business for eight months, take a whole bunch of your money, and then go out of business, and you don't have a warranty. You don't have to worry about that with Kurtz. Kurtz is at I-17 and Bell. He works on gas and diesel. He has master technicians galore. He's a master. Eric's a master. Jeff's a master. There's three guys that are masters, and they're all really good, and the the two younger guys, Jeff and Eric, are really smart. We don't think, Kurt and I, that they're any smarter than us, and they're certainly not any more experienced than us, but you can decide for yourself. So if you don't have a repair shop and you live near I-17 and Bell, can I suggest that you try Kurt's Automotive, northeast corner, I-17 and Bell. Let's go to Larry. Larry, good morning. How are you?
9: Good morning, Mark. Thanks for taking my call. You bet. Hey, Mark, this is a water temperature question. I okay. have a 1990 Chevy small block 350. It's in a 32-street rod, Okay, very basic installation. For the last few years, it's run consistently 180 degrees. Okay, And now, when I start it and run it, the first eight minutes, it pops up to 220, sits there for a few minutes, then pops down to 180. And I was wondering if it, A, was a thermostat issue, or are there different temperature thermostats that I should be considering?
4: Well, I think you're making a big mistake. Um, Let me tell you, in the old days, when your 32 was made, all the way up until probably 1996, we dealt with sludge in a big way. We would take engines apart, and you had to use a ladle to scoop the black sludge out of the oil pan and the intake manifold and the lifters and everywhere. Black sludge was a big deal. And I want to tell you something. We didn't see motors go 100,000 miles back in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Rarely did they go 100K. In 1996, we decided that we needed to get that water temperature up because water boils at 212. It turns from a liquid to a vapor at 212. We realized that this this sludge inside of an engine was water and oil. So we went up to a 195 thermostat to 220. Now we're boiling the water out because the oil gets to 220, well that's well past 212 Fahrenheit where water turns to a vapor. The PCV valve sucks the vapor out, sends it out the tailpipe and today we got motors that are doing three and four hundred thousand miles and when we take them apart they look brand new inside. So I don't care what your 32 Coupe has otherwise, I think this thing ought to run at 220, and you're going to be a whole lot happier. Running it at 180, how are you going to get the water? Every time you shut that motor off, you're going to get a tablespoon or more of water as the air inside condenses. And so as it gets from hot to cold, you're going to end up with that. So now, your fluctuation is going to be caused by a level problem or a thermostat problem. You're right. It's either going to be a little low on level. It could be down off the top of the radiator, maybe an inch or two or three. But okay. it, other than that, it'll be a thermostat. Okay, so
9: 210, 220 is fine then?
4: Absolutely fine. It, you know what? If I was going to buy your car and you told me you ran it at 180, I I would shake your hand and tell you I don't think I can <laughs> afford your car and I'd walk away. I really would. I really would. I, <laughs> okay. I, I want you to I tell you something else. It's going to run better and it's going to develop more horsepower at 220 degrees. I promise you that.
9: Oh, that's great to know. Hey, thanks right. a lot. Hey, by the way... Uh, I emailed you this week on a starter problem, which you helped me tremendously. Thank you.
4: Oh, well, thank you very much for that. And anybody else that wants to email me, it's easy. Mark, with a K, mark at marksalem.com. And if you give me your phone number, most of the time I'd rather just call you. And I call from a blocked phone number. I have to yeah. carry a blocked phone number. Otherwise, my phone number, I would sure. answer car questions a million times. But anyway, thank you for your kind comments, Larry. Thank you. uh, Tom, you're up next. How can I help you?
5: Hey, Mark, I've got two questions for you. Okay. And let's see. Number one, uh, I just had a car worked on, have uh, overheating problems, high speed with the AC on. Okay. Check the coolant, and they look, put straight coolant in it. So it's not a 50 50 when I check it with a little hydrometer, it's all the way up. That be causing some of my heating?
4: Absolutely, your your coolant has to have water in order to dissipate the heat. So, and then you should be 41 degrees, somewhere around 40 degrees. And when you okay. do it with a hydrometer, you should be around 40. Well, wait a minute, wait a minute. It's 50 30, 50. 34. Ma- I can't remember yes.
5: what the magic number is.
4: That's his, 50, the, You're right. I was wrong. 50 50 is bringing to 34. And so if you got if you got a lot of coolant in there then you're gonna pull it out and put it back in. But it will not it will not cool your engine. One hundred percent coolant is bad. It needs water to work.
5: That's what I need. I had one more question if I may. Okay. Good. Let's see I bought a fairly new car and it's a, quote certified car, so it's under their factory warranty to forty eight thousand. I have cut the top radiator hose and put a sending unit to put my own water temperature and now it's, I've got a coolant leak, doesn't seem to be where I did it. If I take that in, am I going to get heartburn over having done that to the host?
4: It depend, no. It depends on where the leak is at. So if the leak is anywhere where you modified the cooling system, yes, you're going to get grief. But really and truly, why don't you just take it by somebody's shop and just say, would you pressure test this real quick for me? That's all you have to do. Put
5: the pressure on it, and then that'll be my answer. And then Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd be just as happy if i never go to the dealer.
4: <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not going to comment on that landmine you just threw in front of me, but but I, I think uh-huh. a, a simple pressure test. Now, if you drive it and it gets really hot, okay, you drive it, it gets really hot, and you park it, and you squeeze that upper hose, and it's rock hard, that's the same as a pressure test. You just got to hang around, come out every five minutes or so, and see where it's leaking from. Because all we're going to do is look at the cap. It's a 15-pound cap. I'm going to pump 16 pounds of air into it, and I'm going to stand there until I find the leak. So you can do it without a pressure test. Just get the upper hose rock hard and hot, and then you'll find the leak yourself. Okay? righty. I got to take a break. When we come back, and that's what you want me to do, right, Gil? Okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to Bob then. Bob, I'm gonna take care of you, and 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 Gil can just um, just wait till we're done. What Why can I, I do for you, Bob?
3: <laughs> Mark,
4: you know, at the top of the show, you
8: were talking about oil change intervals. Yes, sir. In 1979, I know you love engineers. My uncle was a PhD engineer. He built nuclear uh, power plants. He uh-huh. bought a 79 Ford Granada, and he didn't believe in oil changes because he thought that was all fostered by the oil industry and. <laughs> He put mobile One in the day he drove it off the lot. He never changed the oil. He changed the filter every five thousand miles and topped off the oil. And that Ford Granada lasted eighty five thousand miles.
4: Okay, and 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 yes, I I can see that's happening. But now this was you said he bought an a, a, an eighty model Granada, right?
10: Yeah, seventy nine. Yeah. Okay. He Fair had enough. A few years.
4: Fair enough. Well. In 1979, I opened up a mobile station, and they came out with Mobile One at 25,000. Now, you haven't seen a Mobile One can at 25,000 because we had motors lunch all around us. We'd put it in the car and tell them 25,000 miles, and they would drive at 18, never check the oil, and the motor would smoke, and they'd come back. And I can't tell you how many cars I personally saw that tried to go 25,000 miles with Mobile One. I I'm not a fan of how mobile handled that. I'm not a fan of them not raising their hand and saying, 25 was too long, we're sorry, we're stupid. But they did a good job in marketing and telling everybody, all you have to do is put this oil in and you don't have to worry about it again. It was a bad deal then, it's a bad deal now, but I have heard that same story before. I'm not in a position to argue with it, but I'm trained by Vaveline and Chevron. I've made my own quart of oil and it passed all the tests. I know oil, and those engineers at Vaveline and Chevron and some of the other (laughs) ones, they laugh at that story because the additive package, which represents 20% of the quart of oil, can't do that. And so we're going to have water contamination, we're going to have fuel contamination, we're going to have all this, and the water and the fuel is going to go through the filter. So what we're going to end up with is with this really caustic cocktail of unburnt fuel, acids um, water and some other stuff that we wouldn't otherwise have but i'm not going to argue with it i'm not going to and especially if it's an engineer but let me ask you about your cousin that was an engineer did he drive a choo-choo train <laughs> <laughs> goodbye mark goodbye Seal. all righty we got to take a break we'll be back in just a minute
11: I'm Terry Gilbert. Join me on Intelligent Talk 960 The Patriot for my unique take, Terry's take, on the topics. I give you my perspective on the vexing and hot issues of our day. Compelling commentary, capsulized in a nutshell. A dose of reality and common sense. Delivered daily with reason and passion. I cover what you're thinking about and what you're feeling. You already know me from years as the host of The Terry Gilbert Show. So now join me for the new Terry's Take. Timely talk running Monday through Friday on Intelligent Talk 960 The Patriot.
3: You need a plan as you get closer to retirement, a plan that will take you from where you are now to the retirement you've always dreamed about. The first step on that path is to tune in to Retire Financially Fit with Phyllis every Saturday morning at 8. Your host is Phyllis Sachs-Pilvinas. She's the founder of PSP and Associates. You only retire once, but Phyllis helps people retire every day. Don't miss Retire Financially Fit with Phyllis every Saturday morning at 8 on 960 The Patriot.
4: We welcome back, everybody, 44 minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and every Saturday we're here talking about cars, laughing at one another, teasing one another, arguing with one another, and you're always welcome every Saturday, 10 to noon, right here on 960 The Patriot. Automatic Transmission Exchange has been servicing, repairing, and rebuilding, and fixing leaks on transmission since 1968. Phil's been around for a very long time. He started with old Powerglides and old Buicks and old Oldsmobiles and old Chevrolets, and he has morphed into the new electronics that we use solenoids to shift your car. and We all do all kinds of fancy stuff with computers to give you the best fuel economy. So no matter what you've got, an old car... Phil can handle it. A new car, Phil can handle it. 40th Street in Washington on the north side of the road. You, If you drive up and down Washington, he's been there for a very, very long time. That's automatic transmission exchange. Just give you an explanation, engineers um, in my world, uh, regardless if they have an engineering degree in hydrology, which is all about water, they still have an understanding of everything in the whole wide world and so when I tease them good-naturedly when they say I'm an engineer I ask them if they drive choo-choo trains (laughs) it's no different than when they call me a grease monkey okay it's okay we understand one another and calling one another good-natured names is nothing wrong with it so when I tease them about driving a choo-choo and they tease me about being a grease monkey I'm okay with that Mark good morning how can I help you
10: Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. Um, before I ask you a question, I just wanted to thank you so much for your shop and all the maintenance repair you've done on our vehicles the last few years. We're very happy with all the people and all the work that's been done on them.
4: I'm especially proud of my people and, and, and thank you for that. Um you 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 humble me, but um I, I I'm just telling you it's the people there that make me look like I'm really smart. And um, the second-generation Salem families, uh, my daughter and my son, are, are in predominant positions, and I'm especially proud of them as well. So thank you for, for that honor. Thank you.
10: Yeah, I also wanted to thank you for helping my, helping me fix my son's car. I talked to you a couple weeks ago. It had the overheating problem, and he had an estimate for between two and $3,000 for a head gasket at a different shop. Uh-huh. And uh, we flushed the cooling system, changed the thermostat, and we applied the gasket sealer. Uh-huh. And he's been driving it for two weeks. All the symptoms are gone. It's not overheating. It's running well. So,
4: And that um, was the head gasket one where we, we we supposedly had a head gasket, but I think w- what we decided to do was use a stop leak to see if that made a difference, and evidently it did.
10: Yeah, and it's okay. uh, been running fine since. So thank Perfect. you so much. Um, I want to ask a maintenance question. Um, okay. I have three questions about power steering fluid. Number one, what's the correct way to change it? And then how do you get the air out, and do you have to use GM power steering fluid when the manual says GM power
4: steering fluid? No, you don't. Dex, you can use Dextron, and Dextron is the name brand for a, a, a General Motors transmission fluid as well as a power steering fluid. What you do is is you have to take the return line, which is not the hair pressure line off of the pump, but the return line is you know, sometimes just a clamp. It's a piece of fuel hose. That's right. the return. You're going to pull the return line off, and you're going to aim it at a bucket, but you have to put a plug, a, a, a cap, a rubber cap over that that service port, okay? So you're going to take the line, and now you have to hold that line. Somebody has to hold that line. And then we're going to take and we're going to put a funnel inside the top of the reservoir, and we're going to have somebody pouring power steering fluid in it we 're going to have somebody hanging onto that line because if you let that line dangle and you start it up and you start turning the steering wheel left and right, that line's going to spray power steering fluid all over the neighborhood okay. so then or you you can you can uh, you can put a a uh, line hang up you know a gallon off of the uh, hood and you can just run a line into the reservoir but th- it takes three people. And the okay. bottom line is is you're going to start it up, and you're going to just gently bring the idle up, and you're going to steer it all the way to the right and all the way to the left. Now, the guy holding the hose, squirting the, at the, at the uh, waste bucket, um, he's going to watch the fluid. And it'll come out brown and black at the beginning, and then pretty soon it'll be cherry red. And it's at that point you stop. Now, for me, I have a... Six thousand dollar piece of equipment <laughs> that we hook everything up, and we push a couple of buttons and we walk away and go get a sandwich and come back and the the machine will basically take care of all that. but what I've described to you is the manual application of what our machine does. It sucks on the on the on the return line, it puts fluid in on the on the uh, on the reservoir, and it just simply uh, washes that system out and it does it with pressure some of them some of the times we're going to drive it. We're going to start it and turn the steering wheel left and right, depending on what the color of the fluid is, to get it all out. But um, you might want to call around first and find out um, how much someone's going to charge you to flush your power steering for this sole reason. You can't imagine what's going to happen if somebody loses control of that return line. You're going to have power steering fluid from one end of your garage to the other. And okay. and I just want to warn you that yeah. that, ha- that when before we had these machines, it happened at my shop. I mean we, we had some messes that were the guys would take vice grips and they would take the line and they would clamp it to the five gallon bucket. Of course they'd lift it up off the ground a little bit. Well, that hose would start flirting around and it'd come out of those vice grips and gee, man, at Christmas the mess we had was unbelievable. So that I just I mean if let me ask you this, if if it cost a hundred dollars would it be worth it to you? <laughs>
10: It'd be worth it to me. I don't know if I
9: can convince my son.
4: I understand. But you know what? This is going to be a good lesson because if he pull, if he doesn't pull this off exactly right and he yeah. ends up with that big mess, that's a good lesson, I think, one dad to the other. Yeah,
8: that's true. Okay. So, All
4: right. Well, good luck to you. Thank, Thank you very much. All righty. And let me look at the my my daughter gave me a cheat sheet the other day and I'm looking at power steering flush and she says out the door pricing is is as little as 110 to 135 and that's kind of an industry average cuz we we know what our competitors are doing so we I I position, my daughter and I position our pricing right in the middle of the market. So we're not going to be the lowest guys and we're not going to be the highest guys. So when she pops the the answer of 110, let me see, 110 to 135, then there's a good chance that 120, 125 is the average. So that includes out the door. So that's going to be parts, labor, and actually labor and fluid, environmental uh, tax shop supplies and sales tax. So when she talks about out the door, then she's already got all that figured in. So it's really probably going to be a 90 or $95 um, job. But then by the time you add all the other stuff, it makes it ugly. David, you're up next. How can I help you?
8: Hi, Mark. How are you doing? Good, good. good. Um, I have a couple questions on my old Pontiac here. Okay. Um, recently, this has just started. Um, I don't drive it because I'm kind of in the process of restoring it. Okay. And every, maybe once a week I'll start it up just to get it, keep it running and everything. Um, it, when you start it up, it, it doesn't smoke when you first start up on a cold, cold start.
4: Okay. But when
8: you let it run for a continuous time to operating temperature, and if you start to accelerate a throttle it, it 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 blows out smoke what color it's not blue it's, i want to say it's kind of clearish white maybe okay um but it just does it when you keep throttling it all the time what like year giving, pontiac yeah. are we
4: talking about
8: it's a 77
4: okay and 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 when you it up because we have to hurry on this when you it up um, is it fast idling for this period of time before you drive it?
8: Um, no, uh-uh. no. I'll just it, it'll start up fine. It, it may go on a fast idle for a minute or so, and then it it kind of kicks down.
4: It's a carbureted unit, though, it. isn't it? Yes. Okay. Well, it's not going to drop the idle until you stab the throttle. So, I mean, okay. it it's going to hold a fast idle until you stab the throttle. So uh, white is is either coolant, or it's actually gray, which could very well be the color just before black, which means it's running really rich. Does it blow this colored smoke at any other time other than under these conditions?
8: Um, not that I know, because I I can't really drive it, because uh, it's just it's tore apart. But
4: okay.
8: it just you know when you throttle it, you know from the from the pedal or from on top of the uh, linkage you can just kind of you'll see it roll out sometimes it doesn't and sometimes it doesn't
4: okay well it could also be but, steam because if if you're starting it up and letting it run for a little while and shutting it off i don't agree that that's something you should be doing on a hot rod that you're trying to restore I think unless you're going to bring it up to operating temperature in that car, it's 180 to 190, maybe even 200. Unless you're going to bring it up to operating temperature, I don't think that you're doing any good. That's kind of like taking your horse out of the barn, running him around the barn one time, and doing that once a month. It's not going to do that horse any good. If you want to have a racehorse, you're going to have to work him every single day. But to just get him and run him around the barn one time and do that once a month, is not going to do him any good, and it's not going to do you any good. So I don't know if it's gray smoke, which would indicate fuel. I don't know if it's coolant, because it could very well be coolant. I, I don't really know. But obviously, if it's gray smoke, it's probably because the choke's a little tight on it, and it is running at a fast idle, which means it's running rich. So it could be that. But if you got a coolant leak and you're adding coolant to this hot rod on a regular basis, then it, it, it could be white smoke as well. But you had a second question.
8: Yeah. Um, I just had some... Before I, I moved, I had, I took it to, uh, one of your shops okay. and they, I had a transmission leak at the tail shaft and they, they fixed the tail shaft leak and now it's leaking from the, um, the cable at the end.
4: Okay. speedometer so the
8: cable. The, yeah. Okay. And it, got a good size leak to it so i'm not
4: sure if it's i don't know if it's not tight enough or okay if there's a ceiling all, right. there. all right we we got to kind of hurry um did they did they replace the tail shaft seal only or did they do the bushing in the tail shaft housing do you know
8: i think they just did
4: the the brush shaft Okay. Um, tail, seal. all right. Here's the deal. Um, I can't tell you if it's their fault or not, but if it was my shop, if we did the seal, then the speedometer cable wasn't anything that we touched. So that you know, that's something that's on. But if I pulled the tail shaft assembly or the the extension, we call the extension housing the 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 back part of the transmission. If I pulled it off and I did the bushing in there and put it back on, then, yes, I was the last guy to touch that speedometer cable and that O-ring that attaches it to the side of the tail shaft. So that's the issue right there is is what did they do? And if they only did the seal, this isn't theirs. But if they did the extension housing, I'm quite sure they're going to fix it for you anyway. So I don't know what it is, but if it's leaking out of the speedometer cable, it depends on what they did on the transmission. But i got to run, but thank you very much. And if you have email questions or if you want to continue the conversation, mark at marksalem.com. Larry Harker's Automotive is at 38th Avenue in Indian School, and it's been there since 1967. You see this common denominator here? The shops that are on my best car repair shops list is a bunch of gray-haired guys that have been around the block. These guys have started with points and condensers in the 50s, cars and we're all the way up to total computers with no distributor and, and you know 345678 oxygen sensors and we understand all that. So again, Larry Harker's Auto's been around since 1967. Bob runs the shop, his wife Ellen runs the front counter, and Bob's one of those guys that I send people to when I hear this. I've had my car to 20 other shops and nobody can fix it. My answer is is if you live anywhere near 38th Avenue and in Indian School, take it over to Harker's. Because Bob's the kind of guy that you can wave that proverbial red cape in front of, and his horns will grow out of his head, and he'll run at you. Because he can fix it. He's one of the best diagnosticians I've ever met. But he also does oil changes, and cooling system flushes, and tune-ups, and water pumps, and timing belts, and all that other stuff. But one way or another, 38th Avenue Indian School, if you've got a car nobody else can fix, I'd probably call Bob. And if you need maintenance work, he's really good at that as well. So that's Harker's Auto, Larry Harker's Auto, 38th Avenue Indian School. Mark at MarkSalem.com. You send me an email, leave me your phone number, and I'll call you back. It'll be on a blocked line, but when you answer, I'm going to say, this is Mark Salem, I'm responding to your email, so you'll know right off the bat that I'm telling you who I am. Anyway, thanks for spending your Saturday with me. Please drive safely. Please wear your seatbelt because you have no idea how beneficial that is.